Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. From between the hedges at Sanford Stadium to the practice fields, from Stegman Coliseum and wherever else the Bulldogs are playing, it's time to talk Georgia sports. Touchdown, touchdown, don't win it! From the Athens Banner Herald, here are your hosts, Mark Weiser and Ryan Dennis. Welcome in. It's SEC Championship Week. Mark Weiser of the Athens Banner Herald with Ryan Dennis, sports editor of the Banner Herald. And Ryan, where does this game rank compared to, say, Brian Kelly going to LSU, Lincoln O'Reilly to Southern Cal? What's more uh, the uh, talking points, uh, this matchup or, you know, the contracts uh, into the $10 million a year deal and these uh, football powerhouse uh, coaches uh, bouncing from one job to another. Well, doesn't it kind of depend on what area of this uh, country you're in as importance? I mean, right here in downtown Athens, I think this game is uh, is a pretty big one, even though I don't think it'll matter for Georgia getting into the playoffs or not. But to me, the number one story is Lincoln Riley to USC. I mean, uh, you know, that's uh, – Quite a quite a departure there for for him and a, a good hire I guess for USC. The shocking one though I think is Brian Kelly. Don't you think just leaving Notre Dame that clearly has a shot of backdooring their way into the playoffs? Uh, he's kind of made himself you know as as a guy at Notre Dame, all time wins leader as a coach, and then uh, just bolts for LSU. That was kind of shocking. Couple things. I mean, I think the Kelly news was more shocking to me just because you wonder about the culture fit of Brian Kelly in Baton Rouge. Um, you know, and Notre Dame is kind of. Uh, I, I did see a funny meme. Sorry, before <laughs> it had a picture of Brian Kelly and said, "Sure, I'd like a poor boy sandwich, please." <laughs> um, yeah, I think he was. Yeah, I, I don't know what his uh, Cajun uh, yeah. tasting sensibilities are, but um, look, you're talking about kind of an iconic college football brand in Notre Dame, yeah, and then LSU that you know you know you can go there and win national championships. So Les Miles did it, Ed Orgeron did it. Well, I guess money talks when it comes down to it, right? Isn't that what this is all about? I mean. I'm sure he's getting a lot more than he got at Notre Dame, but I'm sure they paid him pretty well also. And, you know, Lincoln Riley, Oklahoma's going to the SEC, and you might have heard that Ah. there's some good programs. Georgia, Alabama, LSU, you know, maybe Florida, if they get that cranked up, that uh, it's not not as easy as a path as the Big 12. Um, We're going to talk more about Georgia, Alabama in just around the corner, and we're going to have the SEC Network's Cole Kublik joining us to break down the matchup. Um, Ryan, you know, getting back to that thing, Kelly making a salary that will average, I think, $10 million during the 10 years of his deal. Um, Kirby Smart hasn't lost to Lincoln Riley or Brian Kelly. That's true. Um, 3-0, right? 3-0. So uh, Kirby's about to get paid uh, very well, well yeah. as well. He was going to anyway, and I'm sure this just cranks it up more. With bonuses and, and everything else. and uh, No, I'm talking about his next contract. I know, I know, I know. Uh, which he already makes, uh, what, eight, eight and a half? Is that right? Mm, that's seven, north of seven. North of seven. Well, uh, I did see that Nick Saban's contract says something in it. The verbiage says something like he has to make, um, you know, at least what the top three coaches average in the SEC or the top five in the NCAA, whichever is more. So he's probably getting a little bit of – money coming his way but yeah i mean you know every time that these new coaches go somewhere and get a boost in pay and it's just gonna keep going up and up and up and kirby's just sitting back going yep yep you know if i keep winning sec east and sec championships and going undefeated and possibly winning national championships then uh he's gonna be in the upper echelon top two or three uh coaches earning that dough Georgia, Alabama, round four under Kirby Smart. And Georgia's been TKO'd in every one of them. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the last year's might have been more of a decision. I mean, not a decision. Uh, yeah, yeah, TKO, uh, I guess you can say that. Uh-huh. You can say that. They weren't fully knocked out, but uh, at the end, they were uh, down for the count, so to speak. Yeah, I don't know about the, <laughs> the boxing comparison. Come on. Um, 
Tide's won six in a row. This isn't the same Georgia team. This is not the same Alabama team. Uh, we know Georgia's kicking everyone's tail. That includes Georgia Tech, 45 nothing on Saturday. And since then, Jeff Collins fired three of his assistant coaches. Uh, his top running back, Gibbs, I think is his name, transferred. Yep. Starting quarterback that we saw. Jordan Hayes, yeah. On Saturday, also uh, going to be transferring. I mean, that's uh, you know, it won't be long, I think, until we see a new coach at Georgia Tech. Yeah, that's it. Seems like an impossible. I situation. mean, after next year. No, I got you. Or middle of middle of the season. That's just uh, it's it's a hard job. I mean, you're you're not going to out recruit Georgia. You're not going to out recruit Kirby Smart. I mean, you really. I mean, there's 128 other teams. It's not really just about Georgia. But that's what I'm saying. But uh, you know, if if it comes down to Georgia talent, if you look at the Georgia talent on say a two four seven sports or something, the top ten are going to Georgia, and Georgia Tech might get the eleventh or the thirteenth player. So I mean, what is Georgia Tech going to do? They're going to have to go outside of of Georgia. Uh, you know, as much as they want to sell the four hundred four in the Atlanta. It's just uh, you know Georgia's winning there too, so there's it's it's a hard job for Jeff Collins to be in. Look, Georgia can only take twenty five, so I mean that's not really the issue. The issue is, you know, doing better in the ACC and not you know ending the season on a six game losing streak in my mind. And Paul Johnson, you know, with his quirky offense, that's well, yeah, that's why he was able to win. I mean, he he was he able. To well, I mean, he didn't win consistently, but he had really peak seasons. I mean, they played in the Orange Bowl, beat Georgia three times, I think it was. So. Um, once under Kirby. Um, First year under Kirby. Yeah, year one under Kirby. <laughs> um, Alabama's best running back, Brian Robinson, is questionable, it looks like, with a muscle injury. I don't know if we've heard from Nick Saban. I don't know what his media availability is after. I think Monday was the last time he talked. Um, how many points do you think Bama can score against Georgia? Oh, well, I mean... They didn't score much against Auburn, but their, their best receiver, Jamison Williams, was, was tossed for a targeting on, I think it was a kick or, or punt coverage. Yeah, that was that was a tough penalty, uh, but I think it was uh, targeting. But, I mean, you know, that's been that's been the, the thing that Alabama has really ridden the past few years. And this year, for the most part, has, has been another good offense with Bryce Young there. But it, it's not... It, it can't compare to what Georgia's defense has been this year. And so when you judge what Auburn was able to do against that offense last week, Georgia having a much better defense than, than Auburn, I think it's going to be tough for, for uh, Alabama to score now on that same end. might be tough for Georgia to score. So, uh, you know, when it comes down to it, I think it comes down to can Georgia's offense produce, uh, you know, enough points to, to – uh, with Stetson and, 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 you know, everybody else uh, and the running backs and whatnot to, to put up the numbers they need. I mean, Arkansas put up 35 against Bama. So. That's true. Yeah. Um, Alabama offensive line has had some major struggles, and the Bulldogs really haven't missed a beat in the pass rush since Adam Anderson was uh, kind of removed from the, uh, the team to a certain extent from his uh, major legal issues. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, that's a. They gave up seven sacks to Auburn. I think it was four against their last pre, their previous two SEC opponents. I mean, I think Georgia's going to get to to Bryce Young. Um, I think he's going to make some plays also. But um, you know, they're dialing up the pressure. I mean, there is not really one guy. I mean, Channing Tindall had three sacks against Tennessee, but you know, he hadn't really. It's been Robert Beal. It's Nolan been Nicobe Dean. Nicobe Dean and Nolan Smith hadn't really in the last couple of weeks. Uh, yeah, and then uh, you know Tra- Trayvon Walker's, Walker's had, been in there. Yeah, yeah, so I mean, they have a they have a range of options, and and you know what. I tweeted about this this morning. I mean, congratulations to Jermaine Johnson, who goes in the transfer portal last year, and people were like, "What's he? Why is he leaving? What's he? Get, what's he doing?" Look, um, he's raised his NFL stock. He's—I uh, don't know how he has a dozen or so sacks. Uh, Florida State. I don't even think they're going bowling. But I was going to mention that that I happened to be perusing an NFL mock draft. A couple of them actually last night, more for fantasy football purposes. But a few things caught my eye. Um, was the fact that Jermaine Johnson was, I think, ninth on on somebody's mock draft? It kind of caught me, you know. It was like, I mean, I know he had a good year, but is he is he the ninth best, you know, player and, and maybe top pass rusher out wait, of the draft? I don't play fantasy football now, but what do you you're you're already picking guys for don't, next year? Don't get me don't get me started about the uh, the league I'm in that has defensive players and uh, uh, what is it, what do they call those things dynasty teams where I've sucked for eight years now and I can't figure out a way out of it. But another thing I noticed in that was uh, one had uh, Jordan Davis Heisman contender at 19 on their mock draft and mm-hmm. another had him going third. 
I wouldn't think J- Jordan Davis would be a great fantasy player. Oh, I wouldn't pick him for fantasy. I mean, you, you I just, need a record. I was looking for receivers and quarterbacks, uh, yeah. but you know, I, I happen to you know see what, these Georgia players. Is it just def- just drop the team's defense, or do you actually have defensive players? No, you have defensive players, man. Okay. Right. Uh, but uh, which I might select Nicobe Dean because one of them had him at eighth on their uh, mock draft. Mm-hmm. Does that sound right to you? Um, that seems a little bit high from what I've seen, but you know, it's a, I mean, really, it's about the right fit. I mean, yeah. I mean, the New York Giants got to take him, right? I mean, they already got. Like eighteen <laughs> yeah. bulldogs. You tweeted about that yesterday yeah. too, did you not? Yeah. Who did they pick? Oh, Jake Fromm. Jake Fromm's uh, going from uh, upstate New York down to, uh, <laughs> I guess, not really even New York. He's going to be like in East Rutherford or wherever yeah, they, they yeah. practice in. So probably easier to his uh, his new wife to to get to see him. I guess. Oh, I mean, are they? Did they get hitched? I mean, I knew they were. Uh, you don't keep up with the social scene of former bulldogs. Nah, sorry. Yeah, I think uh, it must not have come up on my algorithm that he got me. It, it was a big deal this summer, I think. Oh, good for them. Um, hey, George Pickens is back, um, and we we saw him. I think he had seven snaps against Georgia Tech. Um, was on the field the third play of the game. Was Stetson? I think was trying to find him when he got sacked yep. um, in the first half, and then they opened the second half with a, a quick hitch to him and. You know, didn't get targeted, you know, much at all, obviously. But you know, what does it look like this week? Do you think for him? I don't know. Was that was that a thing where they're like, "Hey, George is back. Look, Alabama, we might throw George in there," and then he comes out as a decoy. You know, I, I think they would love to use him. I think they're also concerned, uh, you know, for him as a as an individual and his health. And uh, I think George wants to be back and uh, you know wants to wants to be out there on the field helping any way possible. Now, I don't I don't think you just see him coming out and playing you know every other snap and and running deep routes or anything and being the threat that he was but i don't know maybe georgia throws him out there as a decoy no i don't know about that i mean we didn't see practice this week but i saw enough of him in snippets of practice in the last five six weeks that i mean he can go downfield and catch it i mean he 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 looks the same to me i expect he's going to be more uh i think he's more of a decoy last week i think this week you know, you might see him, but but I do think they're going to roll him in. I mean, maybe he gets 15 snaps, uh, maybe not even that much. So I wonder, you know, if he takes away some snaps from A.D. Mitchell because uh, Stetson Bennett did target Mitchell a bunch this past game. They seem to have a connection issue with, I don't know if it was a matter of uh, communication or the wrong routes or whatever, but didn't didn't took up. I think uh, A.D. missed a, or dropped a catch um, and one of the times. I mean, he's had a, he's had a, a very good freshman year, but um, you know, a guy like Pickens uh, kind of been around the block a little bit more. Um, well, I think you also have to question, you know, how how good George has been without George Pickens. I mean, uh, you know, I, I know getting him back would be would be a help, but I mean, the job that Lad McCaukey's done, and uh, like you said, AD and and Jermaine Burton trying to get back uh, fully healthy, and I mean, we can't leave out Brock Bowers and what a threat he's been, and uh, you know, so I don't think I don't think George George uh, Georgia necessarily needs George back to to you know be well in this game so i don't know that uh you know risking risking further injury uh is necessary in in this game especially and and maybe you could have him completely healthy by the time you get to the playoffs i mean he's clear to play they're not going to put him out there if he's going to uh have it backfire on them so I, i don't know if that's the issue um ryan if it wasn't georgia tech's defense let's say it was um i don't know Ohio State, no. Alabama. Mm-hmm. Who's the best defense that Georgia's gone up against this year? Clemson. I mean, yeah, definitely. Could Clemson's. Brock could, could Brock Bowers have done what he did on that uh, play against guys? I that, mean, I don't know. They had they had ten yards on him when he caught the ball, if not more, and he just split them and and took off and left them for good. I mean, I think he can go up against anybody. That dude is very impressive. I just happened to have my binoculars on that play on the two tight ends, which was Darnell Washington, Brock Bowers. So I pretty much was watching Bowers the entire play, and it was uh, something very interesting and uh, you know kind of jaw dropping. I, I, you know, you're not supposed to cheer in the press box, and I certainly wasn't cheering. But I'm, I, you were sitting next to me, I guess. Yeah, that was me that let out the whoa when he. I think <laughs> I, I, was I, think like, I did do just... like a you know holy you know uh-huh. type thing. I mean, that was different. Um, so. Yeah, I, it was. Uh, I, I definitely had a exasperated sound come out of my mouth because I did not know he had that type of speed. I mean, what was the game earlier this year? So UAB, correct? When he took a little screen pass and went 88 yards or whatever and outran a lot of people. Now I think that was the moment when you go, oh, it was against UAB or whoever that early season game was. And uh, but I mean, that's two plays right there where I think 
he's shown that he can do that against anybody. Ten touchdowns for a true freshman tight end. Uh, he's one touchdown away from tying Terrence Edwards' uh, single-season touchdown record for any player for Georgia. Truly really remarkable. Very impressive. But not a Mackey Award. Not not good enough for that. Yeah, we'll see if, uh, you know, we'll see, we'll see if uh, some of these award lists are, are kind of crazy to begin with. Um, all right, last question before we bring on uh, our guest. Which of these three players is uh, most essential for Georgia to get back this week? Jamari Sawyer, Christopher Smith, Kendall Milton. Jamari Sawyer. Go on. <laughs> I mean, he has been the anchor of your, your line and the most important piece of your offensive line. Now, Broderick Jones, I mean, obviously he's done a done a pretty good job to fill in, but this is a senior leader on your offensive line. And uh, Kendall Milton, I mean, you – Pick a pick a back out of a hat and throw them in there, right? And they're going to be pretty productive, mainly because of the Jamari Sawyer's being on the left side of the line. So I think. I mean, I uh, think I think Broderick Jones has done you know better than you might have expected for a guy getting thrown out there in terms right. of starting. I think it's four straight games now. Um, Dan Jackson's done a, a fine job replacing Christopher Smith. He has. You got Jamison Williams. You got John Mechie. You got other guys. Um, this is a, a team that loves to throw the ball around. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if you want you know Smith. Maybe he's a close second to Sawyer. And I agree. I mean, M- Milton is a, a good player, but but uh, Kenny McIntosh really is coming on. Uh, you know, in the passing game as well as uh, he took a, a you know what was it sixty or seventy yeah, yards? Great or run. Pushed the guy off of him. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's talk now about more of the Georgia Alabama game with uh, Cole Cuba. All right, joining us now to talk Georgia-Alabama is Cole Kublik of the SEC Network. He does the Saturday night game of the week and other college football for ESPN and hosts the morning radio show McElroy and Kublik in the morning on WJOX in Birmingham with Greg McElroy. And uh, Cole, thanks for hopping on here with us. Hey, good to be with you guys. Appreciate you having me. All right. Hey, I believe I spoke to you back in the summer, and you were already uh, trumpeting Georgia as uh, probably your number one team, and that was with or without Arik Gilbert back then being available, which is a name we really haven't talked about for months around here. Um, and I don't think your Saturday Night Crew ever had a Georgia game this year because they played one night game, I think. But you're on top of everything SEC. W- what jumps out at you about what this Georgia team has done to this point? Uh, well, obviously they've won every game, but then not just win every game. They have pretty much controlled every game, maybe minus the Clemson game. And I think even though the score doesn't really show you that they, I guess, dominated that game, I don't. I didn't really feel like Georgia was in a lot of jeopardy of losing that game. So they they haven't really been threatened, and I think that that in and of itself is just impressive because it's so easy to have a down week. It's so easy to just play flat or to turn the ball over a couple times or for your defense to play sluggish and give up a few explosive plays and all of a sudden you're in a dogfight in the fourth quarter. And it just hasn't really happened to them. So, and I think too that, you know, that's the, the one weird thing about Georgia this year is, you know, they don't have a, a Cincinnati's win against Notre Dame. They don't have a Michigan win against Ohio State, or you know, they, they they might not have like that one big signature win, but I think the resume is a lot better than people give it credit for. Um, you know, when you go down the list and see you know, nine win Clemson, nine win Kentucky, eight win Arkansas, eight win UAB, seven win Tennessee. It's just I, I think a lot of people look at it and say, well, just because there are no teams that have been in the playoff picture for maybe the last month or a couple of weeks that there are no good teams on the on the schedule, but you know I just I, I don't really view it that way. I, I think it's a it's a more difficult schedule than people give them credit for when you look at you know when they played Tennessee, when they played Auburn, when they played Arkansas, especially when they played Clemson, which I think was a totally different scenario. You have to take into account sometimes what teams were when you played them. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were, we were talking about Kentucky maybe winning the East when they played Kentucky. We were talking about Arkansas as a top-10 team when they played Arkansas. We were talking about Clemson as winning a national championship when they played Clemson. So, you know, Auburn was – I mean, they had like they were starting to get everything figured out when they played Auburn. They looked like a dangerous team. So, 
it's just, you know, Tennessee is, you know, that was about when they peaked, when, when Georgia played Tennessee. So I think the schedule's been a little more difficult than everybody gives it credit. And because of that, it's just been that much more impressive that, honestly, since week one, they haven't really been threatened the rest of the season. And to go out each and every week and dominate that way, it's just not an easy thing to do. It's very difficult, and they've been able to pull that off. That along with just the physical matchup problems. This is what I talked to you about coming out of the spring. Just physically some of the things that they present that you're not going to have an answer for. And, you know, whether it's whether it's Davis and Carter, Davis and Wyatt, whether it's all, you know, all three of them, you know, throw in a couple other guys, speed off the edge defensively, speed at inside linebacker, sideline to sideline. Uh, you know, this Darnell Washington, Brock Bowers, Fitzpatrick could tight end, what they can do with those guys. You know, having a guy in Cook who can be your move back and motion all over the place and catch the ball out of the backfield. You know, back like Milton who can get north and south. I mean, they just they physically pre- you know, present you with, with matchup problems that you're rarely going to have an answer for. And, and that's another part of just what, what has made them very impressive this season. One of those physical matchup problems, Jordan Davis there, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of uh, you know people trying to lobby for him to be a, a Heisman Award winner. Uh, I guess two questions here. One, could he ever have a shot at winning it? And, and two, with as dominant as this defense has been, is he even is he even the guy that Georgia should be, uh, you know, lobbying to be the Heisman Trophy winner from that defense? Yes, because I think it starts with him, and I think he's the one that physically there really is no answer for. Um, I think when you look at the amount of double teams that he's drawn. The times that he's gotten penetration, he's not going to pull her off their tracks or he's not allowed a guard to climb up to the second level in a double team or you know he's come flat down the line of scrimmage and forced a play to continue to bounce outside, which has allowed those speedy linebackers to go make it. The times that he's been in the pocket and forced a quarterback to move or change his line of sight, those are things that aren't going to be in a box score, but he does it multiple times a game. And I, I, if I had a ballot, he would be on my ballot. Um, but I'm someone who would have voted Quentin Nelson first on my ballot when he was at Notre Dame. Quentin Williams would have been first on my ballot his last year at Alabama. Uh, I would probably also have Will Anderson on my ballot, maybe even Tyler Linderbaum, center at Iowa, on my ballot this year. So I ain't getting a Heisman vote anytime soon because those are, those are guys that would be on my list every year. Um, but he absolutely deserves to be in that conversation this year. Um, you know, the problem is you got a guy like Will Anderson that affects the game just as much as Jordan does, but he actually has the statistics to go with it. And that's just because they play on different places on the field, and their opportunities to, to get those statistics are different. But they both impact the game the same way and as much as one another. I don't think either one of them is any more valuable than the other because you could take Jordan Davis off that defense and they might still be pretty good. Um but I don't think they're as dominant as they are right now. And I think if you took Will Anderson off Alabama's defense, they'd be very average this year. So it's, um, they, they both deserve to be in that conversation. I don't think there's any doubt about it. Speaking of Will Anderson, Jamari Sawyer had a setback last week when he was you know, probably set a couple of days away from returning from a foot injury. Broderick Jones started his fourth straight game at left tackle. Warren McClendon is at right tackle. With Anderson on the other side, how will Georgia hold up, you think, against him? You know, those guys haven't been really bad in pass protection. And I think the, the one thing that the one thing that could help Georgia, well, there's two things that I think could really help Georgia in that situation. The tight ends that I brought up earlier. First off, I mean, for any Georgia fans listening, the, the lack of respect that John Fitzpatrick gets on a regular basis is astounding to me. And I understand that that Darnell Washington is really fun to look at, and you just don't get six, seven, two eighty very much that can move the way that he does. He's a, he's a special talent. I totally agree. Brock Bowers is a damn unicorn. <laughs> I mean, I, I understand why it's really fun to, to watch him and talk about him. But if you want the hard hat dude, like if you want the guys doing the dirty work, if you want the guys doing the stuff that nobody else wants to do, you should watch eighty six a little bit more often. And I, I hate that he was banged up early in the year, but I mean, I've been talking about him for two years now. I mean, he is. He is the guy that essentially acts as an extra offensive lineman a lot of the time, and he deserves a lot of credit for what's happened in the run game. Um, but with he, with 86-0 and 19, how they're able to move those guys around, what they can do, I think that'll give either tackle a big advantage because you know they're going to use them at times. 
to either widen the surface for just to get a chip or just to just sort of get in the way and congest things on the way to the quarterback. Um, you know, the other problem, the other thing for Georgia, too, is they're not doing a ton of five- and seven-step drops. Like they're, they're not asking Stetson to sit back there in the pocket and survey and go through four or five progressions. That's just not really who they are. Um, now, that you'll get it at times, and you know, I think that's the key for Georgia in this game. But there's one key. I think it's, it's staying ahead of the chains. It's winning first and second down. It's not getting in third and eight, third and ten, third and twelve, where they can do the things with Will Anderson that they've done a lot of the times this year. Um, you know, I, I do think that, that Warren Erickson has struggled at times lately at right guard down the stretch, and he will see Will Anderson a lot mm-hmm. because Alabama is going to stunt him often. They don't just rush him off the edge. You're going to see him come inside as a penetrator. You'll see him come inside as a loop man. So 50's going to have to have a big game also. I know he won't be lined up on him, per se, uh, 20, 30 times this game, but I promise you there will be 12 to 16 plays where – Warren Erickson's going to have to deal with Will Anderson because that's how, that's just how Pete Golding operates with him. That's the one way that they've been able to free him up to be able to disrupt and make some plays. So that will also be an important aspect of how Georgia deals with him in this game. With the recent history of Georgia and Alabama, of course, uh, some pretty tough games for for Georgia. Is is there a mental hurdle? Is that is that a real thing that they need to get over? You know, need to uh, beat Alabama in a game like this to to feel confident that they you know can get to that apex like Alabama has been for years. I think it could be, but because I, I think it could be if Alabama was undefeated and playing like last year's Alabama team, because. I think, we would probably be having the reverse conversation, and that is that, well, this, this is just a regular Alabama team, and Georgia's going to have to do everything they can to be able to win it, and they have fallen on their face or tripped over their own shoelaces the last few times, so probably going to happen again. But that's not the case this year. And now the majority of the conversation is people searching for ways that Alabama can find success and maybe win this game. So I feel like because I guess the conversation has shifted a little bit that it's not going to allow enough people to focus in on what has happened previously for that to even be a giant portion of the conversation. And then number two, it's just it's a different team. It's a totally different team. And you know, this is not a Georgia team that was in the championship game last year. They're, they're not coming off of a loss a year ago. So I, I just think that this, is, this team is so different, so far removed from it that it's not going to be something that mentally gets in their way. What are the pressure points for Georgia? Where can Alabama find matchups they can exploit to, you know, kind of overcome that seven point or whatever it is, point spread, and, and you know, have a chance to win this thing at the end? On which side of the ball? Either side. Offensively, I don't have many for you. <laughs> I honestly just don't. I mean, I, I, I think Georgia can play light in the box and be successful against the run. I mean, I, I really think they could play four or five in the box and, and minimize Alabama's rushing attack. And I think then you're probably looking at going to the screen game. And, I mean, obviously the RPOs are going to be there because it's what they do. It's how they live, how they operate. I think you go heavy screen at that point, and these linebackers run so well, I just don't see you being able to live on screen. And if Georgia can play light in the box, that means you're probably sitting back in too deep, which you're not going to get on top of that. So if explosive plays, which I think is something that Alabama has to have in this game, are what they need, if your offensive line's not going to hold up and you're facing two deep safeties, how, where, are you, where are you getting on top of the defense? So, I, I mean, I just – something has to happen, something different. An LSU plan on defense, to an extent, has to happen for Alabama on offense in this game if they're going to win this game. Alabama can't come in and just – play run their offense in this game and win they can't it's just not going to happen um the right tackle will be exposed Mm -hmm. the center's going to get exposed and then you're going to have other times where you have other letdowns by other bodies up front where i I think they'll have issues as well but if you have to go out of your way to protect your right tackle there are only so many there's only so much you can do for a center who's struggling and yeah I, i would i would expect a lot of slide protection gap protection um I would expect some play-action protection, but how effective is that really going to be if you're not running the ball? Because then the teams aren't really sucking up to play the run anyway. So I'm more interested in how Kirby and Dan game plan this offense because 
I think there's a better chance, and I'm not saying that I really think that they do that, so, so stick with me here and, and try to absorb the context. I almost feel like there's a better chance that Kirby and Dan could beat themselves on defense than Alabama could beat their defense. Does that make sense? Like, I, I think if they come in and get over-aggressive and they, they leave a lot of man coverage and they feel like they need to bring seven or eight to apply pressure a lot of the times, then you, they could put themselves in positions to lose and give up some of those explosive plays and give up some things down the field. If they're patient and play back and just kind of wait and see what their front can do first, I don't see a lot of room for Alabama to have success. I really don't. Um, and I think there will be plays where Bryce Young escapes. There will be He will make really good throws. Um, Jamison Williams will catch a slant or, or, you know, he'll find some one-on-one coverage and he'll get on top of it and, and create a big play. Mechie will catch a crosser and turn it into a 20-yard game. Like, they're going to get a few here and there, but I'm talking consistently for four quarters. I just don't see it. Um, I think maybe the tight ends, Billingsley and Latu, there could be ways that you find some space for them with some misdirection and, you know, bootleg throwbacks, things of that nature. But are they going to make a living on that for four quarters? No, I don't really think so. So offensively, how can Alabama cause problems? I think 31 is the, the first thing that you talk about because he has a chance to take over a game. He's done it multiple times this year. Um, I do think 48 and 47 have played well at times. 48 has been pretty consistent. Um, Mathis has been pretty good. Byron Young, 47, has been solid at times. He's been more up and down. But I do think that I have seen some, I guess, let down by this Georgia offensive line at times where those two could maybe be problematic. But, I, I mean, I like the matchups with Georgia's tight ends on Alabama's linebackers. I don't think Georgia's receivers are, you know, a bunch of guys are going to go out and be takeover guys and erasers and win one-on-ones for the whole game. But because of everything else Alabama's going to have to defend, I, I do think that there will be opportunities for them to make plays. And one of my biggest takeaways from the Georgia Tech game last week, and there, there wasn't a lot to take away from it, but I just think Stetson Bennett looks like he's in total control of the offense. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like he looks comfortable. He has, he has command of it. He knows exactly where to go with it, what to do with it. And I think there's a lot of value in that. So it'll, it will be a very difficult task for Alabama to be in this game late in the third quarter. Now, Cole, you're on the uh, on the on the field a lot of times, uh, interviewing uh, the coaches uh, after games, or uh, maybe during uh, you know games when things are being thrown at you and the other coach. Um, one, were you hit by anything at the Tennessee game? And and uh, two, is Lane Kiffin the most interesting coach in the SEC? Um, probably not most interesting. Maybe most entertaining. <laughs> um, most interesting has still got to be Leach. I mean, I, I did a post game interview with him after the A and M game. We talked about um, Outer Banks season two. Um, <laughs> you know, I showed him my son's Halloween costume, where he's dressed up as a pirate and is as excited as I've ever seen him. Uh, I mean, I, I, I hadn't seen him that excited after a touchdown pass or after winning a game. Like when he saw my son's Halloween costume, he was. It's the most excited I've ever seen Mike Lee. Well, he is the pirate, so, right? So I mean, he had to be thrilled, right? About it. Yeah, no, but he was <laughs> he was totally into it, and so I just it was, it was it was funny to see him just light up. But yeah, he would still be the most interesting. Uh, Lane would be in the running for most entertaining. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Cole, I'm going to get you out of here with a two-part question. One um, is on your SEC Nation um, shenanigans, I guess. Aren't you doing like – I haven't seen them all, but I've seen you have a feature where, where you are uh, showing your athletic ability in sports not named football uh, against uh, some really top athletes. I think I saw you uh, take a stab at uh, some fastballs from a softball pitcher, and, and you've done a lot of different things. Is that is that your idea, or was that a production meeting thing, and, and what was the uh, – you know, what was the most – embarrassed you were um well the most embarrassed i was was probably jumping up the high dive at texas a&m just because i had to take my shirt off that's <laughs> never a good look um but i actually did it uh, and that was 10 meter platform which was it was a little nerve-wracking um but yeah montana Fouts trying to catch rise balls from her was pretty ridiculous um I actually had I actually took live VP at Mississippi State. That made me look pretty bad. Um, trying to score on a seven foot three center at Arkansas did not end well. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was uh, there was a lot of moments that were definitely embarrassing, but it's it was a lot of fun. None of that was productive meeting. That was all just kind of they left it open to me, my idea. I lined it all up and and you know used used just some of my connections around the league and 
it was cool to it was cool to highlight some of those other sports. You know, we, we did we did women's tennis at A and M, we did uh, soccer at Tennessee, obviously softball at Alabama. We did basketball at Alabama, basketball at Arkansas, uh, baseball at Mississippi State. So it, it was you know, we did gymnastics at LSU. That was a very embarrassing moment trying to, to stay on the balance beam. Um, so yeah, it was it was a lot of fun to do it. Met a lot of cool people. Appreciative of everybody that took the time to do it with me, but absolutely got embarrassed almost on a weekly basis. <laughs> That's why late in the year at Ole Miss, I just decided to eat food because I knew I was good at that. So I, I couldn't, I couldn't really mess that up. All right, and, and the last thing was a football thing. Um, Georgia seems to be a lock if you look at some of these metrics. People uh, putting them at ninety nine percent or one hundred percent even um, for the playoffs. So looking at the, the top six of the playoff rankings that came out yesterday, what matchup do you think may be most troublesome for Georgia, or do you think? They're good no matter what, probably because Ohio State's no longer probably in the mix. Yeah, you know when I when I when I looked at it a while back, somebody asked me four or five weeks ago, "What do you need if you're going to beat Georgia?" And I, I I said, "I think you need an elite passing game, and I think you need an elite defensive line." And my buddy who asked me that said, "Okay, cool. Who's got that?" And I was just couldn't I couldn't answer because there there really wasn't that. Um, I think Michigan is the most difficult matchup that's out there because physically, I just don't think that they would be manhandled by Georgia. And I think that that defensive line could really cause some problems for Georgia's offense. And Michigan's offense could slow the game down enough where all of a sudden you're talking about both teams maybe having, you know, 70% of the possessions maybe less that they're used to having. You know, cutting the possessions down by, you know, three to five over the course of a game, which obviously changes the dynamic of how you have to call a game and how important scores are, how important field position first downs are, things of that nature. And although I don't look at I don't look at Cade McNamara as, you know, this elite NFL talent, but he's he's got a lot of gamer in him and he, you know, he's only turned it over three times this year, but he, he's a bit of a gunslinger. And if he got hot, I could see him – like he made some tough throws against Ohio State. And there are a couple other games where he just made some ridiculous throws. But then you see him make some weird throws, and you're like, what, who was that to? Or how did, how did that end up in the dirt? So he's not overly consistent, but he's one of those guys that, you know, in a one-game setting, you know, could go out there and all of a sudden just heat up and, and find some things. And I think with the way that they manage their run game, with the personnel that they have, it could make it maybe the most interesting of anybody else out there. So, um, you know, to me, Oklahoma State is the most inexplicable team that's involved in this whole thing right now <laughs> because they have so few NFL – they have fewer NFL guys than Cincinnati does. But they play legitimate defense, and, you know, they're a group that – I think they are – I think they're one of the best teams in college football right now. Now, when I say that, I mean the way they operate. You know, they get off the field on third down. They don't give up a lot of points. They don't, they're not high-risk offensively. They understand you know, their offensive line works well together. Defensively, they know their fits. Uh, when they run a stunt, they're not running into one another. They're just like All of those things is, are, are what Oklahoma State does well. So they're not super talented. Like I look at Alabama right now, and I see a collection of elite talent. I, I guess Georgia – and I see a collection of elite talent that's also an elite team. I think Michigan has some elite players, but they're a, they're a great team right now. Cincinnati's a great team. Oklahoma State's a great team. I think Notre Dame is becoming a great team. They've just had to overcome some injuries and different guys in and out of the lineup, but they're becoming that now. Ohio State kind of similar to Bama. They just have a couple of guys. Like, if you're a great team and your best receiver goes out, you shouldn't have to target one guy 24 times in a game. That's not what a great team does. That is overly dependent on a great player. And so I think that's what you see with Alabama's lack of balance on offense. I think that's why you see the offensive line struggling because they've become overly reliant on their quarterback. Everything they do runs through the quarterback. Uh, Great teams have options on how they can win games. They have different paths, different avenues to be able to go win games. You know, Georgia can bludgeon you on offense. Georgia can utilize speed on defense, power on defense. You know, they got a quarterback that, if he needs to, can make some throws down the field. They can they can run heavy personnel with multiple tight ends, or they can spread you out and go four or five wide. Like that's how a good team operates to me. Finding different ways to be good and win games and pose matchup problems in different ways. I don't really know if Alabama does a lot of that right now. Like I said before, you take 31 off that defense, I think that they would be 
you know, ranked probably 45-ish, 50-ish in total defense. I just kind of think that that's where they would live. So uh, do they have elite players, though, more, more than anybody not named Georgia, Ohio State? Yes, they do, absolutely. And you could probably put their rosters up against those two, and it wouldn't be very different from an overall talent perspective. But they just don't operate as a great team very often. You know, I watch, I watch Georgia run stunts. I watch Georgia run pressures. And the precision in which they run their pressures and manage and execute their pressures is almost unlike anybody else in college football. I mean, it is, it is an exact science. And you have penetrators, sacrificial lambs, kamikaze pilots, whatever you want to call them, that are not interested in making a play. They're interested in making the pressure work. And the timing in which a linebacker loops around a defensive tackle or how a defensive tackle engages before he loops around a penetrating defensive end. There's no wasting time. There's no wasting energy. There's not giving up on a play, being selfish, so you can potentially go make it first. That's not how they operate. And that, to me, is a sign of a great team. I look at little things like how an offensive line manages their double teams or how a defensive line or a front seven executes their blitz packages. That can usually tell me what kind of a team you are. Because if you don't give a damn about it and you're just laissez-faire doing it on your own, or if you're like Alabama last week against Auburn and you literally have two D tackles run into one another and one of them knocks himself out of the game, <laughs> Uh, that that tells me that you have some problems with how you operate as a team. And I just don't see a lot of that from Georgia. I don't see a lot of it from Michigan, Cincinnati, or Oklahoma State. Cole, well, we uh, appreciate you very much joining us, uh, talking uh, football as we get set for the SC Championship game on Saturday and then bowl season. And I'm um, sure folks can find you once those schedules come out to see you. Uh, maybe you'll get the Bahamas Bowl, so I, mean, I don't know where you're going to go. But um, enjoy uh, December and the holiday season, and uh, thanks again for being with us. I can already confirm to you that I will not be on that bowl, but uh, <laughs> hopefully we'll have some fun matchups either way, and I'm looking forward to it. All right, thanks again. Thanks, Josh. Appreciate you having me. All right, we thank uh, Cole Kublik of the SEC Network ESPN for joining us talking uh, Georgia-Alabama. Ryan, before we get into our picks for the week, do have to make uh, mention of – basketball game tonight top 20 team coming to town memphis not playing a top 20 team what are you saying you're saying uh saying that georgia basketball is hurting right now bulldogs 12 and a half point home underdogs tonight um lost at home to wofford on sunday uh bulldogs i believe are now two and five and um hey the schedule i believe will get easier in the non-conference uh it's been tough but uh they'll have some games that are more manageable coming up before SEC play. Um, did you mention they fell to Wofford on Sunday? I did mention that. I just said, were yeah. you not listening? Uh, yeah, I guess I just uh, wanted to reiterate the fact that they lost to Wofford on Sunday. Wofford is uh, pretty good for their conference. Hey, how about their uh, former, or their, yeah, their coach? Jim, the, for, Jim McCauley. The former Bulldog, Jay McCauley, who, uh, you know, I talked to him last year for a story, I think right before all hell broke loose in the world, and because uh, they were supposed to come to... Uh, come to Athens to play last year. Oh, you did, yeah. And uh, I think he's got some family living in the Athens area. I'm sure they uh, might have met up for a uh, a fun little, you know, celebratory high five and all that stuff. So congrats to Jay. All right, we'll see what happens. Maybe the Bulldogs have a stunner up their sleeves. Uh, let's, uh, let's go to our picks. You ready for this? I am ready. All right, uh, it's not as many games this week because of yeah. the uh, championship weekend. Hey, I went 8-9 and nine last week. I'm now 92-91. Uh, Hey, our numbers match up, 11 and 6. <laughs> In terms of, yeah. What's your overall record? Uh, something to, uh, we're probably even. Are you, how much are you, are you over 500, not under? Uh, I think I'm right at 500. Right. Friday, Conference USA, Western Kentucky at uh, UTSA. Western Kentucky by one and a half. Oh. My bad. Ryan just uh, kind of making loud noises with our equipment here. Um, I'm going to take uh, Western Kentucky. So UTSA, right? I'm sorry. Off? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm taking UTSA getting the one and a half. The uh, formerly undefeated until last week UTSA, right? Yeah, I think I had to drop them entirely out of my top 25 eight yeah, people. Yeah, that's tough. But I'm going to go with you on UTSA. What's the line on that again? Don't want to. Western Kentucky by one and a half. Okay. All right, Pac-12 championship game. It's Oregon uh, and Utah. Um, Utah by two and a half. Go ahead and uh, give me your pick. Yeah, where is this being played? Isn't it uh, at uh, Stanford? I mean, where do they play this thing? It used to be the home team hosted. Uh, see, at, it, it, it's it's at Utah. 
At Utah. Hmm. Maybe it'll be snowing. Give me Utah. You're, you're basing your pick on... Well, on, didn't they play like a couple weeks ago? You're, you're basing your pick on, on a um, forecast that you're unaware of? Well, I mean, it's going to be cold. I don't care where they're playing. I'm taking the Utes anyway. That, see, there you go. Give me the Utes. Well, what was the, sorry. Two and a half. Two and a half. Their favorite? Or Oregon's favorite? Utah's favorite by two and a half. Thank you. There we go. Oregon's uh, kind of on the slide, I'm yep, saying. Yep, exactly. MAC Championship. Oh, that's a big one. Kent State and Northern Illinois. Uh-huh. Kent State is favored by two and a half. I don't know anything about these teams. I'm going to take Kent. You know, I uh, I saw highlights last week of Kent State uh, winning. Uh, they knocked a pass away in overtime, I do believe, to win. And the announcers were all about Kent State, so give me them. Big 12 championship game, Oklahoma State and Baylor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cowboys are favored by four and a half. Ryan, go ahead. Um, man, this is a this is a tough one because I feel like both teams are playing pretty well right now. But give me Oklahoma State to cover that four and a half and uh, and be Big Twelve champions and perhaps cause a little chaos uh, on Sunday. A lot of pressure on Oklahoma State uh, to win this game. I'm going to say Bears. Uh, I'm going to. Get, getting the four and a half, I'm going to take the, that number and the, the Bears. So okay. maybe Oklahoma State wins, but I'm taking those points. Okay. Mountain West. Utah State is a five and a, point, five and a half point underdog to San Diego State. The game is, is in California. Give me San Diego State. I'll go Utah State. Why not? Sunbelt Conference championship game. It's App State at UL Lafayette, Louisiana. App State favored by two and a half. Now, is that the uh, is that the Louisiana that the coach uh, Napier is heading to Florida? Correct. And uh, what's the line on that? App State by two and a half. Yeah, you know I've always liked the Mountaineers. Give me App State. Yep, the distraction of the coach leaving. Mm-hmm. I'm taking App State. American Athletic. It's Houston at Cincinnati. Bearcats favored by ten and a half. I'm gonna say Bearcats get it done and they get in the playoff, assuming. That they don't get jumped. Oh, yeah. But I'm gonna I'm gonna say uh, they've been uh, they've been handling things a little bit easier lately. I'm gonna take the Bearcats. I don't know. I just feel like this Houston team's uh, not too bad with old uh, what's his name Dana down there uh, leading the charge. Um, give me Houston, and the line is Bearcats by ten and a half. Yeah, 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 yeah. Give me Houston. Big Ten championship game. It's Michigan, Iowa. Wolverines are favored by eleven and a half. Uh, go ahead, Ryan. Nope. That's too much. I don't trust Michigan just yet. Uh, I don't care if they beat Ohio State or what. Uh, I still look back at the Michigan State loss from a few weeks back. Michigan State gets routed by Ohio State. I don't care what Michigan did to Ohio State. I think Iowa will keep this pretty close. Yeah, I agree with you. It seems like a big number. Give me the Hawkeyes getting the points. I think Michigan wins this thing, but they're not going to win by 11 and a half. The SWAC championship game. Oh, yeah. I, I took some notes on this one. Prairie View and Jackson State. <laughs> you know, good for Prairie View because they hold the, uh, you know, 83 in a row on losses that ended about, what, 14, 15 years ago. And they've really turned that program around in those 14 years. Jackson State by seven and a half. I'm going to take Deion Sanders and Jackson State. Now, I, I checked out because I hadn't really been paying too much attention to Jackson State this year, but Deshaun Warren, a Georgia commitment who flipped – to uh, play for prime time to play at Jackson State. Now I forgot that they had a spring season, so he already played in the spring and then he played again this season. Um, he's he's playing, but it doesn't look like he's putting up too many numbers. So I'm guessing he's like kind of a backup. I don't know for sure. I imagine if he was at Georgia, he'd have a hard time getting too much playing time. Although I don't know. Um, yeah, so I'm taking Jackson State. Uh, what's the line on that? Seven and a half. Uh, yeah, like I said a second ago, I really like what Prairie View's done with their program, so give me them to cover the seven and a half. ACC championship, it's Pittsburgh and Wake Forest. Will there be 30,000 people there? Uh, I don't know, but remember all the experts predicted that game uh, at the start of the year. Panthers are favored by two and a half. Um, no, that's bad. Give me Pitt to cover. No. Wait, did I say that wrong? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wake... I mean, Wake Wake has been uh, very good this year, and and they're the underdogs in this to pit by two and a half. I'm I'm checking this out. Hold yeah, I you know I like Wake. I think uh, what did they do last week? Didn't they go to Boston College? Yeah, they won pretty big and and dominated. Yeah, absolutely. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with uh, yeah, Pitt is favored. The Wake love and especially getting the points. Give me Wake Forest all day. Um, 
Yeah. All right. Uh, just double check that. Uh, I don't know why this happens. Remember when South Carolina played a game on a Sunday uh, on a championship uh, Saturday? It's Southern Cal in California, a non-title. Uh, uh, I noticed game. that. Yeah. Somebody was su- suggesting that they just wouldn't play, uh, given it didn't really have any implications for anything. I guess I, I don't know how many wins those teams have. Uh, Trojans are getting three and a half. I'm taking Cal at home. I think Mark Fox gonna be in the stands cheering on <laughs> the Bears. Um, I mean, come on, Southern Cal, they got their new coach. I don't think Lincoln Raleigh is gonna even fly up to uh, Northern California yeah. for the game. And Cal's favored in that. I'm thinking that, yeah. Oh my goodness. Uh, no, Trojan. Yeah, yeah, Cal by three and a half. Jeez. Give me Cal. What are you doing? Yeah, Cal. Cause uh, you know I like the redwoods of that area, so give me Cal. On the redwood for. <laughs> <laughs> Georgia Alabama, the SEC championship game. Four o'clock or four ten. I don't know what time. Hey, we should go to that. Yeah, we'll be there. Mm-hmm. Uh Georgia Fair by six and a half when I left. I checked the line this morning. I mean, we've talked about this team and this matchup. Uh, Cole broke it down better than we could, obviously. Yeah. Um I agree with I don't know if he said it or I guess I said it at the beginning of the show. This is not the same Georgia team. I'm not really worried about um you know, the history of the series recently in, the, in these last six games. I mean, I don't see I, – I mean, this is the best team that Georgia has played this year, I presume. Um, but, I mean, Alabama is not the Alabama we've seen in recent years. Um, you know, they've had five games that have been decided by a touchdown or less, one which they lost to Texas A&M. They almost lost to Auburn, which was playing their second-string quarterback and just fired Mike Bobo. Uh, unfortunately yeah. for uh, for the former Georgia quarterback. So when will he be analyst at? Uh, I don't know where he's going next. I guess he'll be on his fourth uh, job in four years next, um, wherever he goes. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I think this Georgia defense uh, can handle this passing attack. This offensive line on Alabama is going to have trouble. Their right tackle situation has been pretty shaky recently, and um, I think Willie Anderson might be. You know, it's 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 a great argument. You know, do you want Will Anderson? Do you want Jordan Davis? I mean, they're 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 terrific in different ways. Anderson's going to fill up a stat sheet. You know, it's not going to surprise me if he sacks Stetson Bennett a couple times. But I just think Georgia has too much talent, too many answers, and I think uh, they're not going to say it, but I do think they want to. They not only want to win the national championship, they want to beat Bama. They want to win the SEC. They want to roll to the national championship. You're saying they're gonna, they want to roll the tide? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you said it, and, uh, you know, like Cole said uh, about Alabama being in Georgia's head, that's a different team. And I think, like you had, had, had pretty much said, that, you know, this is a different mindset of this Georgia team. I don't, I don't think they think anybody is even close to them. And, uh, of course, um, you know, this will be the best Georgia, uh, team Georgia's played this year. But I'm a person that uh, likes the common denominator or whatever, you know, when you look at who's played who this Wait, year. Wait, did, did I even say that I'm taking Georgia? I figured, yeah. I think I'm ta- taking Georgia, given the six and a half. But given common opponents, I, I like looking at stuff like that. And uh, you take, what, Arkansas, you take uh, Auburn. Uh, who else did they, they uh, mutually play this year? Oh, Florida. And, you know, those were games that Georgia easily won, that Alabama struggled to get past. And I think when it comes down to that, when you get to this game, it's going to be, uh, you know, Georgia's going to prove they're the better team in this. And uh, better than six and a half. And I think I think this is another double-digit win for the Dogs, you know. And uh, I guess the mental hurdle's not a thing. But, you know, once they get over that, that'll be a, a great thing for the, for the Bulldogs. And, uh, yeah, I say uh, Dogs win by 10 or more. All right, everyone, enjoy championship weekend Sunday. You'll find out, I think it's 12. Actually, I haven't even seen the exact time on that, but I'm guessing that's the case. The uh, playoff rankings, uh, the pairings for the uh, playoff will uh, begin with the semifinals, uh, where they will find out whether Georgia is going to the Orange Bowl or the Cotton Bowl. Georgia has a say in the matter. They can, they can Fingers crossed Miami, right? They can put the preference. Um, hey, I'll be happy to go anywhere. <laughs> It'll be good. Everyone enjoy the, uh, the game, and we'll talk to you next time. See you.